Good morning, everyone. Welcome here. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley Church, and uh, I've got John here to help me out with welcoming you all here this morning, going through a few announcements. Yeah, hi. <laughs> so we came up with a little activity to help us fairly divvy up the content we want to bring you this morning, you know, just so it's fair and we kind of hide the fact that we're just reading off of a script <laughs> this morning. But uh, yeah, a few things for you to know this week. Yeah. First, first thing, um, I have you heard the big announcement? Starting October 4th, on the first Sunday of the month, we're opening up on-site services. So you can actually come into church and watch church. Um, and yeah, there are service times at 8.30, 10, and 11.30, and there will be details on how to sign up uh, coming in the next couple weeks. You got the best announcement right away. I did. That one's going to be sweet. So that's, yeah. Stay tuned for that one, but we're super excited to head back into that. Yeah. Also for you, we've got, we, oh, perfect, it works hand in hand. So we are actually, uh, the pastoral staff, the leadership here, we're inviting all of you to dive into forming small bubbled missional neighborhood, small groups, essentially. Uh, they could be watch parties on your living in your living room, but to meet on Sundays, to join together and engage in our Sunday online content uh, because, yeah, and worship and pray together. So if you haven't already done that, consider who might be living around you, who you are safely connected with in uh, immediate neighbors or friends or family even that you could invite into your home to essentially do a watch party and start engaging into some missional small groups. Yeah, um, if this is one of your first times here, uh, a special welcome. Welcome here. Uh, one of the best ways to get connected and stay informed about stuff happening in our church community is follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Social, it's good. Yeah. And uh, back to the small group thing, actually starting in October, when we're uh, the start of the month, we're doing those live in-person services uh, with small signups. We'll also be adding a segment to our Sunday online streams at the end that's gonna really help focus on facilitating at-home group discussion questions. So you're gonna wanna try to find a few people to engage in those Sunday morning discussions with because we're really excited. It's gonna help us really apply the Sunday morning messages to our lives going into the week from that. Yeah, exciting stuff. Uh, another great way to stay connected uh, and to be up to date and up to date is signing up for our weekly email newsletter, which contains devotionals, connection points, church information, and other not spam kind of things. So be informed. It's not spam. No. Don't unsubscribe. And thank you for your continued support, your prayer, your volunteer service uh, to the church here, and financial support really to help us reach mission with God's love. Uh, for any information about how to give or get involved in the stuff that's happening here at the church, head over to our website, cedarvalley.ca. All right, and so in just a moment, we're gonna, yeah, I think that's empty now. Yeah, that's all. We're gonna kick off with a uh, time of worship. There's gonna be lyrics on the screen so you can join in at your home uh, if you're in watch parties too, however you feel comfortable. Uh, yeah, and after that, uh, Jasmine is bringing us an awesome and kind of messy uh, lesson for the kids, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, and we're wrapping up our summer long Ask Why preaching series where we're just diving into questions that uh, somebody on the outside of Christianity might wonder and uh, we're trying to throw biblical answers at some major questions that the world's facing uh, and today Pastor Doug is uh, tackling the question of why would a good person like me need forgiveness like that's the whole Christian message is the idea of Jesus' sacrifice for forgiveness of sins but like are you a good guy John? 
I try to be. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm pretty good. Like, why would we need forgiveness? So stay tuned for that because Doug's tackling that. And before we head into all that, if you're watching live, head over to the comment section of Facebook or YouTube and answer this question. What is one of your earliest memories? Was it good or was it kind of bad? Childhood memory. Yeah. Yeah, mine was whale watching. Uh, I don't even know how old I was, but I don't remember seeing any whales. It was cold and the boat had a hot chocolate machine. Nice. So, yeah, a bit of both. Yeah, what about you? Um, one of mine, probably graduating preschool on the church stage all those years back. Way back. Way back, yeah. yeah. All right, thanks Cedar Valley, we're in for a great service. Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome here to church. I just invite you to sing this morning.
Good morning, Cedar Valley kids. Uh, I'm here today, oh sorry, I'm Jaslyn, and I'm here today with Johnny and Theo and Ellie, and we are going to be talking about some big things today. We're going to be talking about sin, and we're going to be talking about forgiveness. So, do you guys know what sin is? What it's sin? when you do something bad. When you do something bad, right. So what kinds of bad things? Like you um hurt somebody if you hurt somebody yeah that would be a sin or if you um take somebody's things if you take somebody's things right that would be stealing thing, or if you put someone in jail and even though they didn't do anything bad mm-hmm so those are all sins bad things that we do are sin so in the bible it says that God hates sin, and he has said to us that we are not supposed to do any sins. We're not supposed to do anything wrong. But we're people, and people always sin. And so we're going to do a little activity that talks about sin, and we can figure out how sin gets into our lives and gets everywhere. So kids, if you want to do this at home, check with your parents first before you grab the syrup and start putting it everywhere. So we're taking our Rogers Golden Syrup. Stick out your hands. Everybody is going to get a big glob of syrup. Now you guys are going to rub this all over your hands. Ready? Rub it. Front, back, in between your fingers. <laughs> if you were in my Bible Adventures class last year or two years ago, you might remember doing this with me. Okay, so get it everywhere. How does that feel? It feels slimy. It feels slimy. Okay, is it everywhere? Okay, hold up your hands. Show everybody. You've got certain, it smells great. Okay, we've got syrup front, back. It's everywhere. This sticky, sticky syrup sin. Okay? Now, I want you guys to try to get it off. Okay? Wipe it. Okay? Try to wipe it off. Wipe harder. Can you get it? No. No? I need my nails. Use your nails. Can you get it all off with your fingernails? Oh, I got some. Okay, some of it's coming off. Is it all coming off? No. Not all of it. Okay? Try shaking it. Can you shake off the syrup? No. No. It's super sticky. Okay. So this is on you, and you can't really do anything to get it off, okay? Now, you guys each have books in front of you, so I want you to pick up a book and start reading. Open it up. Look at the pictures. Is there any syrup that's getting onto the pages of these books? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's getting on that page. It's getting on the next page. Okay, so we've now got syrup all over these books. Okay, now I need you guys to pick up your cup and take a drink. Okay. Now look at your cup. Super sticky. Super sticky. You've now got syrup all over your cup. Okay, so let's talk about this for a second. If this syrup was like the sin and the bad things that we do, we can't get rid of the sin inside ourselves. We can't get rid of it by ourselves. And when we keep doing things, the sin kind of wrecks everything, doesn't it? Right? We've now got syrup all over the books. We've got syrup all over our cups. This sin has gotten everywhere and it's wrecked everything. If you can't get it off by yourself, what do you need? I don't know. God for forgiveness? The sin, yeah, exactly. So if you can't get rid of your sin, you need to ask God for forgiveness. For the syrup, 
If you can't get the syrup off, what do you need? A wet wipe. Okay, you need somebody to come and clean it off for you. Okay, so here, I'm gonna come with the wet wipe and I'm gonna get you started. Okay, look at that. It is wiping off all of the syrup. Let's get another one. Okay, so this is like Jesus taking away our sin so that it doesn't wreck your life anymore. So when you do bad things, so the bad things that we talked about before, taking somebody's things, hitting somebody. So how would you get rid of that sin in your life if you've done that? Pray. Pray. And what would you say to God? And what would you say to Jesus? If you, if you want to get, if you want him to take away the sin in your life, what would you say? Please may you forgive me and take away my sin. That's right. Please forgive me and please take away my sin. And in the Bible, it says that he will do that because Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross one time, but that took away everybody's sin forever. And all we have to do is pray and ask him to take it away. Okay, how are your hands feeling now? Sticky still. You might have to get it all the way down. Ellie, how are you feeling? Pretty good? Yeah. Okay, so we got that away. All right, so how are you guys feeling about if you have sin in your life and what you can do afterwards? Um, can say thank you for taking away we can always say thank you, that's right, because Jesus, we know that he died on the cross to take away our sins and that's a pretty big deal. So after we say, ask for forgiveness, we can say thank you because Jesus saved us from all of that sin that's wrecking our life. Okay, good job. Can you guys say bye to everybody? Bye. Okay, so that was fun and interesting. And if any of you do that at home with the syrup and the wet wipes, let me know because I think you would have a lot of fun with that. So going back to the sin and the forgiveness, there is a great verse in the Bible that talks about it. And it is in 1 John 1 verse 9. And it says, God is faithful and reliable. If we confess our sins, he forgives them and cleanses us from everything we've done wrong. So confess means that you say it. You can say it out loud or you can say it in your heart. So if there's been something that you've done that you know is wrong, that you know is a sin, maybe you've lied to your mom or your dad. You need to say that to God. You say, I lied and I'm sorry. So you say that to him. And it says right away, the very next thing, he forgives and he cleanses us from everything we've done wrong. So just like we had that awful sticky syrup all over our hands and then with the wet wipe, wiped it all up and got rid of it all, cleaned us all up. That's what God does with our sins. He cleans us all up and makes us fresh and we can start again. Because God says in the Bible that he is holy and he wants us to be holy. We can't do that on our own. We need Jesus to take away our sin and make us holy so that we can be with God forever. So I hope you guys remember that lesson. It's a really important one and I hope you have a great week. Bye. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. 
I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me, and my guilt is gone. That's David, King David, in Psalm 32. It's interesting. We know King David as a man after God's own heart. And yet, he knew his heart pretty well. And he expressed his heart in Psalm 32 that he needed forgiveness as good as he was. Well, good morning, Cedar Valley. In our last message in the series of our Ask Why series, we're going to look at the question, why would a decent person like me need forgiveness? Well, the short answer is because you're not as good as you think you are. And honestly, neither am I. Now, even as a pastor, I would like to think that I'm a pretty good person. You would think so, and you would hope so, and you would be right in that. But you know what? You and I are just not that good that we need forgiveness. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you're not a good person. because I know that you likely do a lot of good stuff. And thank you for all the good that you do. You know what? The world really is a better place because of you. But if you have ever done anything wrong, you and I, we need forgiveness. That's all of us. No one is excluded from that. See, it's not just if we're good or not. Really, good is not the standard. Being righteous is. And the issue is, not if you're a good person, but if you are a completely righteous person. And unfortunately, we're not. And Romans 3 verse 10 reminds us that we are not. For it says, there is no one righteous, not even one. So what do we do with that? See, and even as we consider good and bad and righteous and unrighteous, part of our problem is, is that those of us who are good, we don't like to be put in the same category as those who are bad. But I have a question for you. When you say that you're good, what exactly do you mean? See, good is really a relative term. How good do you have to be to be considered good? Just mostly good? Well, being mostly good means that you are still slightly bad. And there's a big difference between being mostly good and all good. See, just doing good stuff isn't good enough. Now, if you were perfectly holy and righteous in thought, in word, and in deed, well, then actually you would be God. And we all know that we're not. So we need God's forgiveness because He is holy and we are not. Yet His desire, even in the midst of that, conflict 
is for us to be close to him. So, how good do you have to be to get into heaven? You know, a hundred different people would give me a hundred different responses to that. But the question is not subjective. It's not based on how a person feels or how a person thinks. See, God gets to make the call on this one. And here is what he has to say. We're going to start in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of God's glorious standard. Isaiah tells us that this means that we're separated from God. And that falling short, that sin, it has a cost. There's wages to that. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. See, sin, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot, must be punished. That is God's standard because God is holy. He has no room or allowance for sin. But I love the second part of Romans 6, 23, and we read, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is absolutely amazing. God's forgiveness removes sin and its consequences. And we follow that up with Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God did a huge favor by making it not about us, by making it not about your goodness or mine, by our efforts, but by making it all about Jesus. Here's what Ephesians 2.4 says, But God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead of our sins, he made us alive with Christ. I love those two words. They are a complete game changer. Did you notice them in this verse? They were right at the beginning. But God. Those two words literally make all the difference. We were in real trouble. We had no hope. We were dead in our sins. But God. But God came to save us. But God reached down so we could rise up above our sin. Absolutely incredible. The difference two words put together make in our life. Well, what does forgiveness do? What is it that forgiveness does? Quite simply, it brings us back to God. Forgiveness is all about getting us back to God. We were made for God, to know Him, to love Him, by having a close relationship with Him. And then we discover in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, 
to bring you to God. See, there it is. To bring us back to God. The righteous for the unrighteous. See, Jesus took what he did not deserve so we could get what we don't deserve, which is forgiveness. It's the idea of, of being released from a debt that we just could not pay. It saves us from the wrath of God. For in Romans chapter 2, it tells us that the unrepentant heart will receive the wrath of God because it has shown contempt for God's kindness, for his mercy, for his love, for his patience. See, forgiveness, it means that the offense no longer conditions our relationship with God. It brings renewal of that friendship. Remember earlier when I said that good wasn't good enough? No matter how hard we try, no matter how much good we do, we actually needed to be righteous? Well, like that's even possible. But it is with God. Check out Romans chapter 5, verse 4. But people are counted righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. That's absolutely incredible. We have become what we were not able to become on our own. What else does forgiveness do? It causes God to literally forget about your sin. In Isaiah 43, verse 25, we're told that God remembers our sins no more. God's forgiveness wipes clean your offense from his memory. And it's interesting, I love this verse in Micah chapter 7, verse 19. It says of God, you will trample our sins under your feet and hurl them into the depths of the sea. When was the last time you trampled something really good, just pulverized it into the dust of the ground? Take that image and then allow yourself to reach down and grab it and hurl it with all your might into the depths of the sea. Isn't that great? God pardoning the guilt, forgiving the transgression, showing mercy and compassion, and throwing all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Maybe you've heard the expression, God's sea of forgetfulness. Well, it doesn't actually mean that God has Alzheimer's when it comes to recalling your sin. He's not sitting going, mm, what was that again? There's something about you that really ticks me off, but I just can't remember what it is. No. And it doesn't mean that somewhere there is an ocean as black as the night because it's filled with our sins. No, it represents the fact that our sins no longer have any bearing on our salvation, on our relationship with God. As far as God is concerned, our sins are God. And this really is the gift of forgiveness. It's wonder wonderful to know 
that through Jesus Christ, forgiveness is offered to us. But what about our forgiveness to others? See, because we have received forgiveness, we are compelled to forgive, to be forgiving. And as a matter of fact, for Jesus, this was not an option for us. See, this is where forgiveness comes full circle. For he says in Matthew chapter 6, that we should pray to God with words, forgive us in the same way that we forgive others. That's pretty powerful. And then he continues in Matthew 6, if you do not forgive others their sins, God will not forgive you. That's a harsh statement. And see, we see this as our personal relationship with God in view. It's not our salvation, but it means that believers don't need to, to daily come to be justified to seek salvation. For that happens in the moment that we trust our lives to God through Jesus Christ. But Jesus stresses that how can we ask forgiveness from God if we're not willing to grant forgiveness to others? So why forgive? Because God forgave you through Jesus and also because Jesus said so. But why not forgive? You know, there are reasons that would keep us from forgiving, and they be, may be that, well, we want the other person to suffer for what they've done. Or we may think, well, I, I forgive them. That means maybe I'm saying that it's okay what they've done. That's not forgiveness at all. Or maybe I'm just not ready to forgive. And that could be in your moment. But consider, what are your options when you've been wronged? You can forgive, you can have forgiveness, or you can have bitterness. See, one of the big problems with unforgiveness is that unforgiveness leads, results in bitterness. And bitterness will fill your life with poison. I like the way that relationship speaker Mark Younger put it. Unforgiveness is like taking poison, hoping that the other person will die. It's just insanity. And yet that's, that, that's almost really what it's like. And so for your own health, forgive. See, forgiveness is a precious gift that you give to the offender. And yet, how do we forgive when the pain of the offense still remains? See, if we focus on our feelings, forgiveness doesn't work. Because it may be that you will never ever feel like forgiving, ever. Forgiveness must be centered on what we value. See, forgiveness is an act. It's not an emotion. Forgiveness is not an eraser of your memory of 
the event. You may carry the pain of someone's hurtfulness till the day that you die. Now, you may have heard the phrase, forgive and forget. <laughs> really, the second part can be even more difficult than the first. Because you know what? Forgiveness does not necessarily mean forgetting. God has that ability. <laughs> we may not. But forgiveness means that when you say, I forgive you, you are saying, I will never use this against you in the future. I will never speak of it again to you or to anyone else. I won't hold it to your account. I choose not to bring it up again. Forgiveness lets go of getting back. See, forgiveness is our willingness to extend grace, just to be released of its control of the bitterness on our life. We all know that in this world, relationships can be hurtful, quite simply because none of us are perfect. And we do stuff, well, we just shouldn't do. And things kind of get, get all out of whack. You know, there's anger and frustration, there's hurt, which may turn into bitterness. And have you ever thought in a relationship, wow, how did, how did we ever get to this place? Could it ever, could it ever go back to the way it was? Well, years ago, when my two boys were young, they're, they're grown and they have families of their own. But when they were just little, we, we bought a video game with a couple of different races on, games on there. There was NASCAR race and there was a crash team race and, and we loved it. And when we first started playing, we would set it up and because, well, I was just older than them, I was much better. And I would race off and ahead of them and they would try to catch up and then I would notice they were way behind and I would kind of slow down and, and let them catch up again. And then I would take off and then slow down again. And it was great fun. We had a lot of fun. But you know what? <laughs> the more we played, the better they got. And they got really good. So much so that now I was the one having a hard time keeping up to them. And they would blast ahead of me and I would do everything I could to keep up. Nothing doing. But do you think they had the same kind of compassion on me that I did on them? Not long before. Not at all. They thought it was hilarious that dad couldn't keep up. And the score would be so, so lopsided till finally in my frustration and also in my cunning, while they were intently racing on the screen, not taking their eyes off, I would reach over and I would just kind of hit the reset button on the video controller. And it's like, oh, what happened? The screen would go blank. And they go, dad, oh, sorry, sorry. And then we would start again. We would all start even where we were. Everything would be the way it once was. Well, wouldn't it be great if relationships had a reset button? When life has gotten so out of balance and the score is so uneven and there's so much frustration and hurt and anger and bitterness, what if you could just hit a reset button that would bring everything back to the way it once was? Well, you know what? God has given us a reset button 
for our relationships. It's called forgiveness. But healthy relationships, they involve apologies and forgiveness. I was wrong. I'm sorry. It really needs to be a part of our vocabulary. But also, just forgiveness. Making an apology and giving forgiveness is like hitting the reset button in our relationships. And forgiveness lies at the heart of families and healthy relationships. See, and it's in understanding God's forgiveness that empowers us with the ability to forgive. When we forgive, we are really revealing God's love. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day, this time together, when we can see from your word, your desire to once again be close to us in that relationship. And yet that sin that sometimes we think is not a big deal, maybe it's not that bad, I'm a really good person, except for, well, God, it's just in that except for moment. There's a gap between a holy God and, quite honestly, people who are not. God, we thank you for the forgiveness that you give. God, through sending your son, Jesus Christ, to bring us back to you. And God, as we continue in our life to experience your forgiveness, to receive what you have given, to believe in the work, the salvation of your son, Jesus Christ, God, may we too be people of forgiveness. May we learn how to forgive. God, continue with us daily. Allow us the joy of a life of being forgiven and of forgiving. Amen. So blessing Cedar Valley as you joyfully live the life of the forgiven and also being forgiving. Have a great day.